Welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind. Your host, Jason Stallworth, and we also have the Ken Candelis. <laughs> and we have a guest today. Yes. Nick, yeah, Nick Z is on with us. Uh, real quick backstory here. So, so Nick Z, we've Hello. been working with him for a little while. Oh, hey, Nick. Uh, thanks for coming on, by the way, man. Uh, You're welcome. Nick is, he is a pro audio person, engineer, producer, uh, professional at mixing and mastering. This is what he does for a living. So he is the real deal. Uh, of course, he has uh, has created a course on the Metal Mastermind uh, platform, Mixing Producer Overlord, the Mixing Series. So we're going to get in today, guys. We're going to talk about the future of mixing metal, how things are done differently today than they have been done but even more so than that we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of what you need to do the things that you need to focus on now at the end of the podcast guys we're going to talk about something that's uh extremely dear to my heart guitar tone snobbery so that's gonna be a lot of fun <laughs> uh yeah this yes, is guitar tone snobbery. this is just yeah it's just <laughs> we could talk about it for days, man. Um, I turn my nose up to your guitar tone. <laughs> Does it go to 11? Yeah. Is it a real amp or an amp sound, bro? Which is better? <laughs> we'll get to that. Yes, we'll, we'll save that for the end, guys. Absolutely. Uh, but, you know, Ken, I know you've known Nick for quite some time. I'll let you guys kind of kick off your history and, and a little bit and how maybe how Nick got into this whole thing uh you know you are a musician uh nick is a singer too by the way because i i heard you uh doing some exercises vocal exercises same ones i do on instagram the other day so uh anyway ken i'll, I'll let you guys kind of chat about you know how how long you guys have known each other and uh, how nick got into this thing yeah uh well nick uh and i have known each other for a couple of years now at this point where we were kind of trying to collaborate on my music uh, we know each other through mutual friends and, uh, I've learned so much from Nick. And so Nick has kind of been a spearhead for our metal mastermind mixing series, uh, metal producer overlord. And that was one of the reasons why, uh, <laughs> is hearing his stuff, just kind of how he was able to translate information. Um, it just led us to having this mutual relationship. So, uh, Nick, your, uh, mm. background and all of this kind of stuff has always kind of led to working very very sort of heavily into the metal scene so i love hearing about uh just a little bit where you started and whatnot and how did you become the person that you are today you want to tell us a little bit about that yes um coming from ireland uh in the euros uh when i was a wee lad oh man it's it's, it's i'm too manic to do this I can't. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm going to make a joke every five seconds. Fucking. <laughs> hey, it's what's all about, man. <laughs> Fucking. So I started, you know, like everybody. Oh, I don't know if everybody's. That's a silly thing. Um, I had my first band when I was like 14. You know, which rock. ironically was like a well, it's like a rock grunge. <laughs> thing you know what i mean like the first record i ever bought with my own money was uh pearl jam 10. oh sweet so up until that point i've been stealing music off my brother my brother taught me about music and he was like you know if you have an older brother like he's he's the one that fucking yep you know, teaches that was everything so i got uh public enemy um uh, boogie down productions 
uh, EPMD, Beastie Boys, and then uh, Chain of Strength, Youth of Today, Judge, uh, Felicity Love, That's Gorilla awesome. Biscuits. Um, <laughs> and he was he was like an uh, like an eighties late eighties uh, straight edge kid. So he would like. I don't know. I'd be sleeping and he would like run in my room and like jump on my bed and like scream hardcore lyrics in my face. Nice. You know, <laughs> uh, I heard straight. Edge Re- <laughs> yes, dude. I heard uh straight edge revenge on Spotify the other day and I was, was so nostalgic because it was just, I mean, I remember him screaming it at me. You know what I mean? And I was like yeah. this little kid and shit. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to mosh. And I was like doing something. He's like, bro, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm moshing. He's like, you're not. You're just not you're moshing. moshing. <laughs> no. And he was awful to me, but that's okay. <clears throat> but I mean, like he taught me about music and <clears throat> when I started to really come into my own and, and hear stuff that I liked was around the time that Ryan Chapman, because I didn't, like for most of the people that I know that like metal, that are into metal, they have a very, very different background. And that's that they came up on 80s metal. Uh, most of yeah. them came up on Metallica. You know what I mean? Like behind Jason, as we speak, what's well, on the wall? Like yeah, it's a puppet poster. Hero. Yeah, Master they're my puppets. first two albums. Yeah, Puppets and Justice were my they? first two albums. Yeah, I love it. What were your first two albums, Karen? Uh, I think as far as the ones that I've heard or the ones that I bought. What was the first record you bought with your own money? Yeah, mm. as a kid, I think it was Disturbed, Ten Thousand Fists. <laughs> Okay, that we're was officially first... not friends anymore. Yeah, that was that was the first <laughs> one that I bought. <laughs> I won't lie. Um, and then what did I buy after that? Probably, probably a Dream Theater record. <laughs> nice, nice, dude. Yeah. So the, those. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, but you know what I mean. Like that's most of the guys that I know that especially around here that, that are into metal are into it from, uh, from the eighties. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The band I'm in now, the old man band then that I'm in now, my other guitar player is 1985 all over the place. And like, if he's not playing 16th, <laughs> he's not happy. And I'm like, slow down. And he can't just that. I'm like, okay, dude, metal shredder, man. That's hilarious. So, I mean, that wasn't my background. Like, that was so. My first record was uh, was Pearl Jam 10. And then right after, I think, was uh, Undertow by Tool. Oh, that's a great album. Yes. Insane. And then, so the way that it worked for me coming up on like on, on kind of hardcore, which is like more punky and hip hop, like I was never really into, like, it took me years and years and years to get into like blast beats. And like faster stuff, you know what I mean? Because everything was groove based, mm-hmm. you know. You know what I mean? Like that's that's where my that's how my heart beats, you know what I mean? Like it's how it came up. So hearing you know, like faster puppets, you know what I mean? Like it's I'm just like I'm like I don't understand this. It's like it's it's just not for me. But around 1994 or so, uh, was the first time that I heard uh Fear Factory remix. Nice. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And it was a scum grief remix. It was this song was it goes and uh 
the original of course is like you know heavy you know uh uh medley drums but on the remix you know that riff comes in and i was like whatever and it was like you know and then with the beat drops it's you know and i was like holy shit it was like like hearing the end of the world i was like this is this is the only thing i ever want to do for as long as i live oh my god that's amazing i think it was uh or something it was fucking unreal i think it was nevermore for me that really twisted the tide for me uh this godless endeavor was that's a good album with jeff loomis on there man. yeah that was that was a turning point in my listening yeah Yeah. it just there's always that one album man it just kind of helps curve (laughs) your 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 love for this stuff Uh, i love jeff loomis too he's awesome as far as man yeah i feel like everyone has a moment where like they hear the music that's kind of you know that maybe their heart's been searching for you know mm-hmm. yeah. so it was yeah, absolutely was it for you jason like what was your like what did you hear and you were like this is it like this is the end which I, I, long story short I, I grew up uh listening just to the radio uh just recording songs now i'm a little bit younger i'm sorry i'm older i'm a little bit older I'm probably a lot older than you guys because you guys say, grew up I, a different I, I hope not. <laughs> Jesus Christ. yeah i got that backwards oh man you're like, hey, you old dude. Um, no, but I, I grew up uh, recording uh, radio songs on tape. You had to press play and record at the same time. Oh, yeah. Big um, same. And you're like, okay, DJ, stop talking in the middle of the intro. You're screwing it up, right? Yeah, big uh, same, big same. But I was recording things like Genesis, Phil Collins, uh, I'm going to say Tiffany, Madonna, stuff like Prince, The Police, all these different songs. Of course, Def Leppard. Um, I didn't really, I love that style of music. He's like, I love 80s, still do. Um, but when I heard Metallica for the first time, there's this dude on the bus. He looked real cool, had the jean jacket, all the patches, long hair. I wanted to be him, but I, I wasn't cool enough. But anyway, mm-hmm. he was listening to something. Everybody thought I was a freak. I'm like, dude, I was very timid. I'm like, can you please tell me what you're listening to? He pulled one earphone away. He said, Metallica. I was sold. I went, took my 20 bucks from cutting the prior lawn that I cut, and I bought Master of Puppets and Injustice for All. Never heard any of the songs off those albums, but I put them in and absolutely love them. And that was, I, I was done. And, and I got into Joe Satriani soon after, um, you know, I'm not super big on guitar virtuoso, but I love Satch because he, he replaces vocals with his guitar. So a mix of Satriani, Metallica, uh, some other metal bands, the hair bands, of course, white snake, you know, doc and all those bands as well. But I just went, I just traveled down that road and I was, I've been sold on it ever since. I love it. Like yeah, I, so 80s pop comes from my father. And that's oh, cool. that like when I was young, young, before uh all this stuff, like when my brother came into his own, yeah. my, my older brother's a couple years older than me, he's not super old. Uh he like when he came into his own, I wanted to be like him. But before that, with my dad, like growing up, growing up was all 80s pop. Mike and the mechanics, oh journey. Yeah, you know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, and I to this day. Like that's, you know, that's my heart. That's my sweet spot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whenever I want to feel good, that's yeah, man. 
Loving it's Toto. Harry Chapin. Oh, I love Toto. Oh, no. yeah. Let's not bring Toto into this. <laughs> hey, what about new shoes? New shoes, Taylor Dane. Uh, now, I'll tell you this real quick, Nick. You, you may not know this, but I, I actually play two or three live acoustic shows a week uh, around town here. And that's what I'm known for. I play 80s on acoustic. I just do it my own way. So I, I play all that stuff on the guitar. So uh, that's part of how I make my living these days as well. I love, it. I love the 80s, man. I love it. If you told me I, I couldn't listen to metal anymore, I'd be disappointed. But you said well, I can still listen to 80s you know, pop. I, I'd probably be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. 80s, 80s pop and 80s rock is like. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of merged together. Shit. But like 80s metal was never my thing, which is weird. Like I said, because all the guys that are metalheads around here are all from 80s metal. But no, in the 80s, I was listening to uh, uh, rock basically you know what i mean bon jovi and oh yeah Madonna, bon jovi, and fucking Prince. all that shit michael jackson yeah um, yep oh it's just the best stuff well metal's kind of matured quite a bit over since that time and there's now we kind of subdivide metal into many many different subgenres now it's kind of like you don't just listen to just metal you listen to yeah. like a specific kind of metal you know sure um and the production's kind of really changed quite a bit to that too and you know, I think that's a really important highlight that why are we like, you know, when we hearken back to some of these old, older bands, it, it it does bring about nostalgia. But, you know, do you think that it was also because of the sound that was captured and, you know, how the performance was, you know, established in those records versus, you know, how people are doing it nowadays? Uh, what are your thoughts on something like that in the production realm, Nick? Um, it's such a difficult question to answer, or I shouldn't say it's a difficult question. It's, it's a long question to answer. Um, the short version of this answer is that, so for a lot of years, recording was kind of gatekept by people who could afford to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of the stuff that's that's emerging now uh, that's that's been emerging is because of uh, ease of access. You know, I mean, I know that when I got started recording back in the day, it was with a stolen copy of Cubase 2, Cubase something. <laughs> I stole it off of uh stole it off of the internet and started working with it. And I was like, this is amazing. Like, cause before that, like we were working with drum machines and samplers and sequencers and stuff like that. And I was like, oh my God. Like in the idea of recording a full band wasn't even on my radar, but it legitimately was able to steal the software and get started that way. And so many people, I almost everyone I know started that way. Can't afford it, steal it, get it. And then the idea is, you know, at least for me was as soon as I can afford to buy this, I'm gonna buy it. So mm -hmm. Uh, like I bought like Cubase three it was like the first thing that I was like able to buy, like running it on my PC and my, Oh, it was a fucking nightmare. But anyway, <laughs> um, I mean the, the ability to do this on a home computer is so new and the technology has grown so much in such a short time that it's just, it's, it's ludicrous. Yeah. It no, has that, been. In an exponential way, hasn't it? Yeah, go ahead, Jason. Yeah, no, it, it kind of brings up a question, and I don't even know if this is relevant or not, but so back then it, it cost thousands of dollars or however much it costs, you know, to go into the studio and record. 
so you, you really had to be on your game and capture capture that performance and and get things right and then move on right because time is money in the studio whereas these days oh up let me just go back and do it again um you know and, and just keep going over and over or technology maybe makes it easier right so yeah exactly so i mean is do you think because it's it's been said and i don't know the data to back this up guys i don't know if it's true but there's a lot of a lot of articles and such will, will say that older music still outsells new music and I, I just wonder if that has anything to do with the production or is it more songwriting which is a completely separate thing i don't here, think it's right? either of those things i think it has to do with uh people you know the people that spend money on records are the people that listen to old music this generation coming up doesn't mm. buy records gotcha yeah i just said i have this the band this band in um uh i've been working with them this month we just wrapped their ep uh in their 15 through 18 playing grunge of all things wow which is hilarious and they're awesome like they're great kids and they're amazing and i sat them down and had to explain how the music business works because i'm like look if you want any kind of return on investment on this like you're gonna have to go band camp or you're gonna have to convince people to start buying records again and good luck on that because they don't it just doesn't happen so uh the the reason why uh older music outsells is because that's the that's what people in my uh age demographic and my in my age bracket are used to doing we buy right. records this generation doesn't buy records at all they listen to spotify or youtube or whatever the case may be or they turn on you know some streaming thing and let it be like that but i don't want to lose what you asked ken because I, I think it's important and i kind of skirted it and we lost it for a second but the reason uh that the sound back then i can't even remember the question what was the, what was the question that you asked basically where whether the production um that we hear back in the 80s because we're talking about how much we love the music back then how it's developed since the 80s to now what is the distinction in its change and why are we moving in this direction in a sense okay so the huge turning point is the computer it's the easy way to put that before the mm -hmm. computer you had to have a console you had a microphone um you had to have cables you had to have as many tracks as you could have and when you're working in analog you have to have uh, there, there's so many specific things that you have to do right in analog that you don't have to do right in digital and when you hear people talk about um things like gain structure and miking techniques and everything else or whatever that's all left over from the analog days which is it's still pertinent in a way like capture is still king like if you can get a kick drum right at the source yes do that you know what i mean absolutely if you if you know how to mic a kick drum properly and you want to spend the time and tune your kick drum and you want to tune the room and get everything you know perfectly set up so that when you capture that drum kit it's going to be ideal fine but i can take a a, a mic'd drum kit that's or, or, or a drum kit that's been mic'd less than ideal and make it sound like 10 million dollars nice. with very very little effort and i've done that i've i, I just did it on the the symphonic metal one that we just released because we did it with uh homeric is it homeric or homeric homeric yep homeric so just did it on yours on homeric on this where we had uh a shitload of hi-hat bleed and rather than wrestle with it and 
just, you know, just endlessly go down the road of trying to get the signal correct. Well, just sample replace it, something comparable. And in the mix, you can't tell the difference. So for all that pomp and education and, and for everything that used to go on back in the day where stuff is just, I mean, uh, did you see, um, what's it called? The Defiant Ones on the HBO? Defiant, the Defiant Ones? I, I have not. Okay. it's no. So it's this guy, Jimmy Iovine. <laughs> I'm going to say his name wrong. Jimmy Iovine or whatever. Yeah. But basically, he was he was talking about how he, you know who he is? Mm -hmm. He's the head of Interscope. He was talking about how he came up and um the studio that he used to work at and like telling stories about you know like uh the the studio had basically trolled him you know uh huh. he had him come in well he, troll is the wrong word but he like he had all these like you know gandalf s tasks tests you know so like he, he on easter sunday he had him come in and jimmy's like a italian guy you know what i mean like easter sunday is a big deal and he's like it's like i need you to come in today uh, and he did. He's like, "Fuck it," went in, drove into the city, and it was John Lennon. It was recorded John mm -hmm. Lennon on acoustic guitar. So I, you know what I mean? It's shit like that. But anyway, when Jimmy became who he was, he uh, was working with Bruce Springsteen. Was one of the first bands that I guess wow. that he did. And I could be wrong about this. I, might, I don't know. I, I haven't seen it. It's been a, a lot of years since I saw it. But the point of this is, what where I'm trying to get at is that they spent three weeks getting drum tone three weeks uh where and he's like I, I could still remember it haunts my dreams and it would just be someone in the control room going stick and they would hit the snare drum or hit the cymbal or whatever they're hitting and then they would adjust the mic a quarter of an inch stick hit the drum adjust the quarter of an inch and that's how they used to get drum sound like it was this tedious uh just unbelievably tedious process of moving mics around until you absolutely got it right in the control room you know what i mean and that was Incredible. three three weeks to get a drum sound yeah three weeks <laughs> but they didn't have a choice like if i mean well they i guess they had a choice but like like if you wanted something to sound good that's all you could do yeah, you know what I mean. Like I, you, you have trial and error and moving mics around, and that's it. That's the end of what you can do in the analog world. Like you can add pre, like you can send it through a different board, or you can send it through a set of different filters, and maybe compress on the way in or whatever else you're going to do. But at the end of the day, like it's the kinetic energy coming from whatever's making sound, mm -hmm. taken in by the microphone and converted, you know, from electrical energy back into the kinetic energy of the speakers, and that is it. Right. You know what I mean? That's why these analog guys are crazy about their mic lockers. Like, what's your mic locker? Because that's yeah. how they got their different colors. That's how they got their different sounds. If like, if they were working on a guitar and it was the wrong sounding thing, they would run in and they would change out the microphone. You know, Jeez. experiment with two different microphones. You know what I mean? And that's how you get all these, you know, wonderful miking techniques from back in the day. Like, this is how yeah. they got their sound. Wow. And it's not really like that anymore. You know, there was a lot more experiment. I talked to this guy, Eric, over in, uh, oh no, Mike, over at Black Hole Guitars in uh, in Westfield, um, who's this incredible dude. And he's a, he likes to record the old analog way, which I'm into. Uh, but he was just talking about, like, he, like, fished a mic down a chimney 
and had a guy sing into the chimney. Dude. You know what I mean? So that the mic could capture what was going on. <laughs> and I, awesome, dude, I, I live for shit like that. Like I love yeah. shit like that. But back in the day, all that experimentation was, was that was all they had. You know what I mean? To get a new sound, to get like something cool sounding. Whereas now yeah. in the digital realm, it's very, very different. Yeah, just right. boop, press the button, man, and, and you're you're there. It's interesting, though. I mean, thank, thank you for bringing this stuff up, man, because uh, what, what I love about this is, I guess, and it has nothing to do with the sound or quality, I guess, but it's the story behind everything that, that happened. You know, there's a story to tell with that, and it makes it very interesting. Um, and in my mind, sometimes that story might help you know, people listen or sell or whatever, because uh, a lot of times we have our biases and that sort of thing. We hear something exciting. It's like, okay, mm -hmm. that's got a cool story behind it. Yeah, I like that, right? Not Whereas if you didn't have that story behind it, you might not pay attention to some of the things, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, it is interesting. We can just, I mean, I'm, I'm in a, I don't really consider this a studio. It's a 10 by 11 room. I can record here, but I, I wouldn't dare try to mix in here, right? So it's just not set up for that. Uh, but I can still do everything I need to in this room right here. Which is pretty amazing, right? And it is. I think there is a, um, there's something to say about that, right? Obviously, having things accessible makes yeah. it a little liberating for people. But at the same time, right, there's a trade-off, right? The market's more saturated. You know, there's not as much high-quality stuff coming out because now we're not talking about a focused group of people who know what they're doing but it's like a vast number of people who kind of or maybe not even know what they're doing trying to release music too and so now we have this play where we're in a position here especially at metal mastermind the three of us as instructors we are on a mission to you know help educate and that's really really important coming from you know what nick was talking about this older analog world where the only way to do it was to get it right, to make it correct. And then, you know, you come here now where we have all the editing tools in the world and you have, you know, plugins that have dynamic resonant control and all this kind of stuff. It's like almost in a way, super forgiving. And <laughs> that's, that's something that so forgiving. And I, I mean, the huge distinction between the way it was done back in the day and the way that it's done now is that back in the day, once it went to tape, that's it. Yep. It's done. fucking wrapped. Yep. That's it. <laughs> and people, people uh, romanticize a lot about tape nowadays because they're like, oh man, but you know, the sound and it's like, but yeah, did you ever try recording on tape? Like that's a pain in the ass. Like it takes like it's dude, eight minutes be, to cut. Yeah. <laughs> and edit. You, you gotta be fucking you gotta be mustard i mean yeah man. so and and the, i mean there was a different mindset about like the level of musicianship too yeah you know what i mean there's a, a lot of expectation so. that yeah. you know oh my god you had to be fucking johnny on the spot back yep. in the day you know what i mean like if you fucked up uh uh what you were doing i mean there were punchings and stuff like that but like once it was like and this is what i was talking about with guitar tone like the reason why all that time was spent is because once your guitar tone was printed, that's it. You're done. That's your fucking guitar tone, dude. I can EQ it, but that's it. We're not going to, you're not gonna be able to change sounds or whatever. Now I'll take your DI signal. And literally that process that I was talking about, about moving microphones, you could do that digitally yeah. in something <laughs> like neuro DSP and like, yeah, just 
And I mean, I, I could do it ad nauseum, like uh, <laughs> until my computer decays and I become old and waste away, I can move mics around after the fact, after you've already recorded your shit. And that's a huge distinction. Same thing with drums, right? Like when we got your snare sound, that's your snare sound. Good luck. Now I can change and swap snares out until, you know, we're old and gray, or older <laughs> and grayer. You know what I mean? Like. No, the, but the Nick, ability to do that is fucking, uh, it just, just changes everything, you know? I, I do have a question, uh, and this kind of comes similar to, like, the whole idea of what you're doing with drums, because you you replace a lot of drums with, with triggers or you blend them and whatnot. But when it comes to guitars, how many times do you strip away the original recording of the cabinet and replace it with, like, a amp sim, or do you combine it? And You know, what what's that like for you? it's different every time it's different every time i can say from my own productions we get a guitar sound first like when i'm doing something in the shop like if a band comes in like the first thing that we do is we get a guitar tone you know right well not the not the first thing that we do but like when it comes time to do guitars we get a tone like if it's going to be your amp okay if it's going to be a sim okay but we get a guitar tone we get one guitar tone or you know however many guitar tones we're going to use and then that's your guitar tone and i really try not to fuck with that or change that unless it really 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 needs it mm -hmm. you know what i mean um and sometimes it does i mean and that changes the the time where that gets really stupid is when you're mixing people's shit and like you you really want it to sound good and you're you know you're overthinking it and you're not you know uh following your own rules about things and you're like oh this doesn't sound good maybe if i try another different guitar sound on this you know what i mean and it's just oh <laughs> god you know and you drive yourself crazy with that shit. maybe if i try this plugin um when the answer is what it's always been which is get a good guitar sound and then allow that to be what the guitars sound like so that's interesting nick so you're saying Gret, you're saying get that first like don't don't worry about recording in it and I know you can change things later and after the fact. I mean, uh, like you use Neural Dispy a lot. I, I like Positive Grids Bias, you know, products. I've been using that for years. Um, I don't even they, know. You got to show it to me. I will. I, I'll, I'll share that with you. Yeah, Positive yeah, Grids sure. uh, Bias FX. And they have a Celestian, uh, the licensed Celestian speakers in there available now. And to me, that was one of the game changers because with Amp Sims, since we're talking about guitar tone snobbery here, uh, you know, with Amp Sims, I think the weak link for all these years, uh, and I've been using Sims, you know, here and there since 2009, 10. Uh, was the cab speaker mic and, and you know, the, the IRs, if you will. But that's come so far. Uh, but it brings oh, me God. to a question. Do you, do you ever have a situation where they recorded their guitar with their amp and they're just, they're like, well, I have to have this tone, but you're like, you know, this tone's not really fitting with the mix. You know, maybe we should reamp that and, and use a sim. Do you ever have, do you ever run into that situation? Yeah, all the time all the time all the time I, I almost insist that if you're going to use your amp tone that we also do a di gotcha gotcha and the reason why is that so this usually happens when i record guitar players not people that play the guitar and there's a difference 
I love it. I'm a Let's person that plays a guitar. I play the guitar on my band. I I enjoy playing the guitar. It's very fun. But at the end of the day, like I, I take a step back and see the big picture. You know what I mean? Like I don't care. Like if it fits in the mix, great. Uh like who gives a fuck? But uh when I record guitar players who are, you know, they spend hours and hours and hours in front of their four by twelve, too close to their four by twelve tweaking endlessly tweaking their tone um and you know changing the height of their pickups and doing all of this minutiae to try and get the sound that they absolutely want and they don't understand that like that sound that you're hearing is a four by 12 in the wrong spot being mm. kicked to your ears at a really specific angle like that's not how it's going to sound when I put mics on it. Like then it's a, the mic has to translate it. It has to go through the the interface, and then it has to be translated, and it's going to come out of two eight inch speakers on my desk, and it's it's not going to fucking sound like your four by twelve, dude. It's going to sound different. You're going to be disappointed, and you're going to be like, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's just. <laughs> I, I just went through this. I, I literally just went through this like a year ago with a good friend of mine who's uh, that kind of guitarist, like that OCD guitarist okay. who just lives for his guitar tone, lives for it, stacks amps on top of amps and shit. You know what I mean? Uh, pedal board that you can, uh, just, it's just his thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> into it, And I'm like, yeah. Then like he came in to do five songs and, you know, amazing drum tone. Um, friend Chris did the, the drums he's fucking unbelievable sent him out to my guy got him edited got it back it was it was like the end of the world like didn't replace anything all done in my room you know what i mean like the crack on the snare is perfect just the right amount of ping yeah. perfect drums uh and then here comes this dude and he wants to he's gonna bring he's he's got three cabs with him and he wants to trade cabs out and like figure out what it sounds gonna be like and i'm like that's cool man but we should really go DI because I'm telling you this technology's come a long way. And like when it comes to finding your guitar sound, like I, I appreciate the idea that you want to use what you think is good, but it sure. might not wind up being what you want. And if we do it DI, then we have options. We do what I was just talking about, which is the ability to tweak infinitely after yeah. the fact. When it's your amp, that's your amp. Congratulations. You have a guitar tone. I hope you like it because if you don't, Fuck you. Not much you can do, right? <laughs> I mean, there's really not, you can EQ here and there a little bit, but there's not really a whole lot you can do. Yeah. Uh, and, and no, I've done we can average, EQ you know. the shit out of it. I mean, yeah. we can compress it. We can add effects. It. There's, there, you know, there's there's a million things we can do after the fact, but the tone itself is not changing. Right. You know, I want to, I want to kind of hone in on this for a second, because in your, uh, actually in your course, you have a couple of sort of guidelines that you say in the beginning uh, for everybody to sort of be aware of. And one of them is never mix in solo. Um, and that I feel like is a very important rule here too, because when you're talking about guitar tone, you're talking about sound designing stuff and you're not hearing it in context. So that's a huge element to any, anything when it comes to, music and you know mixing things together you got to make sure that certain things mesh well with each other and a lot of people don't remember that or you know they never had the experience of necessarily being in that situation where it has to all blend together 
Um, I think that's sort of a maturity in terms of, you know, a, a mixer or a uh, even just a musician themselves just being aware of those kinds of uh, properties when it comes to, you know, recording. Well, it depends on what kind of guy you're going to be. You know what I mean? Like if you're, yeah, I mean, I suppose you could call it a maturity. Uh, but, you know, if you're a guitar player and that's what you do, I play guitar for my band you're super zoomed in on guitar and that's the only thing that you care about okay but you know my challenge would be to zoom out maybe think about what the guitar is doing with the other guitar and then zoom out a little more what are the guitars doing with the bass mm -hmm. and then zoom all the way out and what's the guitar doing with the band and then zoom the farthest that you can which is complete objectivity which is where you should be as a mixer which is how does the song sound right you know what I, I love mean? that. Do what's best for the song, right? Do I mean because always, always, always yeah. serve the song. Yeah. Always, always, always serve the song. You don't serve the musician. It's a musician that has to serve the song. And in, in an ideal situation, like that's where it should be. And it is. It's the destruction of the ego. You know what I mean? Uh, and it's it's hard. It's hard when you get with guys that are, you know, they've been doing this for however long and, you know, uh, uh, I, you know, we're, we're all musicians here. Like, you know, how much of your ego is invested in what you write. Sure, sure. And what you do. And a part of that is the ability to know what you're talking about. So, I mean, there's nothing like, I, I remember back in the day, um, I was in this band called Collapse Into Reason. Uh, my guitar player, Ken, had this atrocious guitar tone it was just all over the place we would constantly be on him and he was you know he's another one he's like constantly uh adjusting and and i mean he had uh this this rack i remember this huge fucking rack and he had uh uh you remember back in the day where it was like analog racks and stuff like oh, that yeah, like instead yeah. of just having a guitar head <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, like he and he had a rack system and it was it was enormous with like a mesa cab uh, and through all that, his, his guitar tone still sounded like shit. Oh. And we were just, oh, we were like, dude, why? It's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, this is awesome, man. And it, it was just so bad. So we go to record and we go to Zeus, who is one of my heroes, um, who's, uh, well, he's, he was a local, a local guy. Now he's international. He works for fucking, works for Rob Zombies on like, three Queensryche records, but he cut his teeth on Shadow's Fall back in the day. Ooh, Shadow's Fall. We went up to cool. see Zeus. You know Zeus, right? Yeah. You know his work? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. mastering engineer Apple. too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep, he's incredible. Um, mm -hmm. He's uh, about 15 minutes north of where I'm at. Uh, and he's a, he's, him and being in the studio and, and uh, having the experience that I have with him is a lot of what made me want to do this. Um, but when we got into the studio with Zeus, Zeus all of a sudden, because he comes from a position of authority that's respected, his message has depth and weight. It's not mm -hmm. your singer. I was the singer at the time. It's not your singer going, I don't like your guitar tone. This is Zeus going, all right, your guitar tone is shit. We're going to fix it. And Ken going, oh, okay, okay, we'll fix it, you know? And then he goes in and dials his guitar tone in for him, and it's immaculate you know finds a sweet spot in his cab and uh fucking uh you know he went in and you know duct taped it so that he knew the sweet spot in the cab and awesome man well 
Yeah. So like the ability to talk to people with like some kind of education or authority, like a message that has like depth and weight to it. You know what I mean? Where you could, you could say to them like, look, I've been doing this. I know what I'm doing. Like, trust me, like, I'm not going to make you sound bad. Like, I I love the ability to do that. I love the ability to talk guys out of bad decisions. Um, and get them closer to where they want to be, whether they know it or not. Like, this is for your own good, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, Nick, so- one of the things I tell my guitar players real quick is that, you know, guitar players especially have an issue with this. Uh, I ask them, who are you writing music for? Are you just writing music to try to impress other guitar players? Let me do, you know, X amount of sweep arpeggios and I hope everybody loves my tone. Or are you writing music? For people that just love that style of music, I think there's a big difference in mindset when it comes to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Musicians that play to other musicians. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, that is a thing. <laughs> oh, that, that was a thing in my area for years and years. All the bands would play to each other. We would always try to one up each other. And I mean, right. Look, at the end of the day, like knowing your audience is a huge part of of what it is. And I tell guys all the time, like, look, if you're just doing it for the love of it, which is, you know, maybe the highest form of art, like if you're just doing it because you, you love it and it's, it's what you need to be doing to, you know, make your soul complete. Like if this is the way that you express yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, it it may be the best thing actually, you know what I mean? But like, if, if you're going to do something that you're trying to sell, we have to have a conversation, right? So that's not going to sell, you know? And I, I, truth be told, I'd rather do the first one. I'd rather do the one where it's like art. I'd rather create art, but most of the people are like, their goal isn't to like create art and express themselves. It's usually that they want to get to some higher level of whatever, you know what I mean? They want to be playing a bigger stage or a bigger crowd or selling more records, you know, proverbially, you know. So I have a question then um, to kind of tie things together. Uh, what is sort of the message that you want to leave your audience uh, with as it comes to independent music, preparing to make a record, all these types of things? What would you What would you say to them as what's important to focus on? I mean, that's way too broad a question. Well, keep it that question for let's say let's let's keep it a little philosophical, right? You know, some people like to say, you know, what's important in life? So what's important in making music? uh, And what should a person who's making their record, be it the first time, third time, doesn't matter as an indie musician, what should somebody do um, or keep in mind? as they're trying to make the best record that they can? Um, I mean, there's there's still a lot of variables in that uh, as well, but the, the universal ones are you have not practiced enough. Mm-hmm. Go practice. Um, mm-hmm. Also, take your band apart. And what I mean by that is normal people, when they practice normal people, <laughs> usually when when bands practice it's in a room that's way too loud um and no one can hear anybody else and they're just you know playing their parts kind of isolated uh in a vacuum 
well, not quite a vacuum, but enough of a vacuum. I mean, the famous thing that you hear in the studio is one guitar player, one guitar player says to the other guitar player, I know you played that. That's awesome. I know you played that. That's in the wrong key. We, I just went through it with the band I just did. Like, I, dude, what's that thing you play at the end? Oh, I've literally played that every time. I've never heard that before. It's incredible. Like, uh, and it's cool. It's a fun thing to have happen in the studio once you can hear it. But do that before. If you're gonna, if you're trying to get ready to go into the studio and create a great record, have the two guitar players play that by themselves. You know what I mean? Listen, listen to everything. Uh, Practice, 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 practice your ass off, get a click track, learn to play to a click track, like do that, get fast, get fast with your parts. You know what I mean? Um, if you're a singer and you're new, make sure that you're singing outside of the band because I get this a lot too, which is first time singer syndrome, mm. uh, where, you know, usually when it comes to metal if if you're a metal vocalist for at least the kind of stuff that i like it's it's basically just like raw emotion you know what i mean it's a real like disgusting vocals um and a lot of these guys have never heard themselves sing without the band playing behind them so we get the whole band recorded and we get them in front of the mic and i'm like you ready and i'll put the headphones on them get them a good level and they can't do it Mm. I've never done it before. Well, never sang outside of having the band mask them and letting them kind of hide behind the band. You know what I mean? Um, they have that egomaniac inferiority complex thing that we all have as vocalists to metal bands. Uh, and it's like, and, and that's a conversation, you know, that I've had to have with a lot of guys. Like, listen, you're in the front. Like if you want to do this as a uh, as a hobby project and you want to, you know, if it's if it's what you love to do and you're you know you're doing it for yourself and nobody else, like that's fine. But like if you want to be the front man in a in a in a metal project, like you have got to allow yourself to be the front man in a metal project. Push yourself out to the front. Learn to love your voice. Learn to know what your voice is. You know what I mean? You have to know how you sound because we're going to put you right smack in the front. You're going to be the loudest thing in the mix. You better be good and you better be into it. You know what I mean? Do you the the number of people that 75% of the people that come in uh that are local that are newer they just they have no idea what they sound like and they're scared and timid and they ah, oh, I can't do this like this. So they have to get drunk. Which is even worse. Oh, that's horrible, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's that's that's the standard for a long time is a singer can't do it. I mean, there's some very, very well known singers that can't do it in the studio without getting drunk. Yeah. So I mean, I, I try to talk to them like that. But yeah, I mean, you can't practice enough. Get yourself on a click track, uh, isolate the instruments in your band, get out of that loud setting, learn what everyone's playing, analyze the song. You know what I mean? And uh, I mean, it, the, like, that's the work that you can do to get into the studio and get the job done and to put your art in the hands of a mixer and then a mastering engineer or whatever uh, in the best way that you can. Amazing. Yeah. Those are those are amazing points. <laughs> it's pure gold. Well, and, and this is the way. So when I track it at my place, I do it like this. I had a guy hit me. So get a load of this. You're going to love this. I don't even know if I told you guys this. 
So I had a guy hit me up uh, on Discord uh, about the course, and he's like, um, so since I've been, and, and this is, this is going to sound like I'm promoting my course, and I'm not. I swear to God, this is a true story. Uh, he's like, since doing the the per, the producer overlord series, um, he's like, my mixers are so good now that people are hearing them and they want me to mix. Awesome, that's and, amazing, dude. I was like, yes, tell me <laughs> that's more. A, well, that's, that's our intent. That is that was exactly the intent, our intent. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I know. I was so yeah. fucking stoked. I almost I, yeah. like I put the phone down. I was dancing. I was like, are you kidding me, dude? Yeah. I was like, just to get one feedback like that once is just like amazing. Yeah. But like, yeah. But like, he's like, you've totally changed everything about the way that I mix, and now like my mixes are confident, they're good, and I'm on. People want me to mix for them. How do I charge? Because he's starting to get paying clients, and I'm like, dude, yes. Uh, so he, and, he needs to schedule a one on one with you. Uh, by the way, real quick for our audience, you know, Nick has the course on the metalmastermind.com website. It's called, it's called Metal Producer Overlord Mixing Series. And a lot of people, what they'll do, they'll take the course, mix their stuff, but then they want to go to that next level. So Nick also does one on one consultations. That's available on metalmastermind.com as well. So I just want to throw that plug in real quick for you, Nick. Quick little plug in, sell stuff, yep. sell stuff. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Um, the fuck was I talking about? And well, our Discord is like a very, very awesome place to find like minded individuals. And that's yeah. where you're going to find people like what Nick is talking about uh, who are sharing their stories. Uh, I, oh, I, I was love, talking about the dude. Yeah. So him charging. Love, he was, yeah. He doesn't know how much to charge. I can't. I'm sorry. I love I'm that. No, I, I love that. No, keep going, please. So he he's like, I'm getting paying clients now. What do I charge? And I told him the way that I do it, which is, and this goes back to our other conversation, which is when it comes to tracking, I do hourly because mm -hmm. it's on you. If you come in prepared and, you know, you've been practicing and you come in with, you know, fresh strings and you're fucking, you know, you're dialed in and ready to go, you can get things done in one or two takes and that will save you money. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But it's on you if you come in unprepared and you don't know what you're doing. And, you know, I, I have guys all the time. They're like, oh, I don't really know. Like, I was going to was going to write it like, yeah, you can sit and write in the studio, but you're going to fucking pay. You're not going to sit in my spot and write. Right. No, no, dude. Are you kidding? Fuck, what, what are we? Infinite budget? What What is this? It's just 1985. <laughs> we're sitting in fucking. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> studio twenty thousand dollar. You know what I mean? What are we, Pantera sitting, writing in the studio? Like, what is this? What kind of operation do you think I have here? Like, um, like no, come in prepared. And if you do that, you can get out of there, and like it, it works better for you. And when I mix, it's a flat rate, and because of the opposite reason, if I know what I'm doing, uh, if I'm prepared, if I'm mustered, if if I'm up on my shit then I can mix your song confidently and get it to where it needs to go. And I can make a decent hourly wage. If I'm not make fucking five bucks an hour, you know? Gotcha. Right. That's fair. You know what I mean? But that's on me. Tracking is on you. And that's what I told him. I was like, and that it goes back to the conversation that we just had about preparedness and, you know, listening to things beforehand and blah, 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 blah. Yep. Gotcha. Well, Jason, Take it away, man. <laughs> well, this Dick, I want to say thank you so much, man, for uh, for being on the podcast today. Ken and I both appreciate it. You know that. And thank you even more so for being a part of Metal Mastermind. 
Uh, guys, real quick for our listeners. So go to metalmastermind.com, click on the button that says courses. You will find Nick Z's course there, uh, Metal Producer Overlord, the mixing series. And as I mentioned Overlord. earlier. Yes, Overlord, Overlord. We got Death Metal Overlord, but he also does one-on-one consultation. Is something new that we just started, so that's all available on our website uh, at metalmastermind.com. Uh, Nick, want to thank you once again, guys. You know what to do. Until the next episode, always create your own sound. <laughs>